0: Living in us, we bless you, we thank you, and we praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. So, we're going to talk today about separate from Lot, it's time to conceive. Amen. Separate from Lot, it's time to conceive. We know the story of Lot and his uncle, Uncle Abe. Abe. Amen. He's a good man. Amen. But uh, we're going to see some, um, probably some insight into. What goes on in people's lives and how God makes a transition from uh, being um, living your old life to living a life for him that's new and exciting and different, full of promise, full of hope, full of good fruits. And uh, we'll see Abram's transition from uh, not having a covenant with God to living a life totally given over to the plan and the purpose of God. And you'll see See, Abraham, or Abram as he starts out, is a normal, average man. Just like you and I. There's nothing special, different about him but his God is special and as we follow our 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 God the one true and living God the one who created us from the foundation of the earth to give him glory and give him honor and to live for him to fulfill the plan that he has for us you'll see how an ordinary person can um, have a relationship with an extraordinary God obey and follow that extraordinary God and live an extraordinary life a life where promises come to pass uh, where you're not waiting forever and ever and ever uh, for nothing to happen, but there is a blessing uh, in that season where, where the blessing is ordained. So in uh, Genesis chapter 12, we see the first conversation God has with Abram, but over in chapter 11, I thought I would point some things out to you about Abraham's family line. It looks like in this, uh, in this, Um, age that people were living they were living more than a 100 years 200 years and and so forth and uh, so Abram uh, in verse 11 verse 26 it says Terah this is Abram's father lived 70 years before he had three sons it lists other ancestors that he had often they had Uh, started having children at the age of 30 years Uh, you see in verse 18 Peleg lived 30 years and begot a son and uh, the one after him his son lived 32 years and and had a son so it looks like somehow when it got down to Terah who was Abram's father uh, they were having their children later So it looks like Terah didn't have any sons until he was 70 years old. Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. So Lot, you see, is Abram's nephew. But Haran died before his father. So Haran died uh, early and left Lot with his dad Terah and uh, uh, with the other relatives that were there Abram was an uncle Abram and Nahor took them wives the name of Abram's wife was Sarai name of Nahor's wife Milcah the daughter of Haran the father of Milcah and the father of Iscah this was before the Mosaic law was given that set up uh, uh, restrictions and limitations on who you could marry and how close in a family you could marry Sarah was barren she had no child Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran his son's son and Sarah his daughter-in-law his son Abram's wife and they went forth uh, with them from Ur of the Chaldees so it looks like there's some kind of decision there with even with Abram's father for that family to move um, God then comes with his idea in chapter 12 verse 1 now the Lord said to Abram Abram get you out of your country from your kindred that means leave all of your relatives and from your father's house leave your father go to a land that I will show you and this is the promise he says I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great, you'll be a blessing. I will bless them that bless you, curse them that curse you, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So this is a blessing that's spoken of in kind of general terms. Uh, When we first come into a knowledge of the Lord, all we know is that we're saved. But we have no idea what salvation really means. We don't get the fine details until you walk further with God. And this is something that is very, very common with God. When He, when He finds us, He gives us just enough information to say yes. And once we say yes, then through relationship and through us trusting him he is able to fill in and give us more one thing Abram knows now at this point if he'll obey God God will bless him he'll be a blessing he'll make him greater so whenever God tells you to leave your earthly family he has a greater family for you to become a part of God never diminishes us he only makes us greater and so I think we have to continue to think in terms of what God means by greatness. And we have to think in terms of what God means when he says blessing. And so he sets out to allow Abraham to follow him. And to be blessed and receive all of these covenant blessings. And he says here, so Abram departed as the Lord has spoken to him. And Lot went with him. doesn't say Abraham invited Lot. It says Lot went with him. Now the word Lot actually means a pebble or a stone. So and the word Lot also refers to, so there's not just a translation meaning. But there's also a circumstantial meaning to the word Lot. The word Lot implies circumstances of indecision. Like casting lots, his name really means pebble came from the word pebble, which means to cast a lot to make a decision there's a proverb that says, "The fall of the lot belongs to the Lord, and this is how decisions were made. They were made by casting lots uh, and whoever however they decided the lot was going to fall, it fell to a certain person, and that was god 's choosing that that was the pick. The thing we have to wonder is, was he God's choice? And of course we know the answer is no. Because God told Abram to get away from all of his family. Because God was going to bring him into a totally new situation. A new uh a uh, land that he would live in, a new lifestyle, a new family. He was going to make everything new in his life. Not one old thing did God want Abram to bring. Now uh, we talk about Sarah. She ain't no old thing, because <laughs> God sees man and woman as one. So you don't separate from from that. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And so you don't separate husband and wife. You you they come together. And so God told him. That he would bless him. Make his name great. Bless them that bless him. Curse them that curse him. Tell them to leave home and family except for his wife. But Lot chose to come with him. Lot we said his name means. Uh, um, um uh, indecision it means uh, to be making a choice uh, he was not God's choice for uh, for uh, Abram and, but he came along anyway I have a feeling that Lot was accustomed to coming with him because Lot's father had passed away already so here we have a, a child a fatherless nephew and an older dad and, and uh, Tara is, is um, uh, about to pass away as well and so I'm thinking that it was probably customary for Lot to follow Abram around and follow Sarah around they didn't have a child so he kind of fit right in and kind of made up for that uh, missing child that they didn't have so it was just easy to let him tag along and not say anything and not expect him to do anything different because that was customary but that was not God's choice for him and we will see uh, in later chapters how God deals with that, that not being his choice. So Abraham leaves for, for Canaan and Lot follows him. Abram becomes a sojourner. That means that God has yet to show him the land uh, physically that he has promised him. And so Abram uh, travels on for a bit. And then there he incurs what we see as a famine. Famine actually means that your provision up to that point in your life has run out. Provision up to that point has run out. When you belong to God you have unlimited access to provision. But your provision up to that point and that place has come to an end and so when that happens you must make a decision and so here Abraham carries Lot around with him so to me Lot following him means he's not quite sold on God yet he's following but he's watching too he's following but maybe he's a little cautious he's following but he's not totally sold On God's ways and so in order for Abram to come fully over into obedience to God he's going to have to walk a little bit farther with God to get to understand his ways get to be able to trust him just like we do we're indecisive about some of the things that God has told us to do we're not sure about some of the things he's called us to do. We're not sure about some of the ways that he's doing things. You know, many times we think, uh, you know, if I'm serving God, it should look like this, 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 and this because we've seen it happen with other people. But we have to go within and really trust God to find out exactly how our situation is going to shape up. How our particular, um, uh, say, in your family, how your family, you know, we look at other Christian families and we think, oh, yeah. I'm going to be or you can easily envision yourself in somebody else's life when that's right before you. But what you have to do is go within and and meditate on the word and what God's told you is going to be true for yours in order to get a vision and a picture for your situation. And so this thing about Lot keeping you know being around kind of intrigued me a little bit and so I, I started to look and see how far Lot followed Abram and how they were able to disconnect at a later time and, and how significant that was in Abraham's decision making process to go ahead and trust and follow God 100 percent so we see here in verse 12 in chapter 12 verse 12 Verse 10 it says there was a famine in the land. Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. So he had nothing to eat. Now he went to Egypt by his own decision. Okay, There's not... God did not tell him to go there. It came to pass when he was come near to Egypt that he told his wife Sarah behold I know that you're a fair woman to look upon for it will come to pass when the Egyptians see you they shall say this is his wife and they'll kill me and take you. And so Abraham... Uh, Is indecisive about committing to Sarah 100% as his wife. Uh, A man shall leave father and mother cleave to his wife. They shall be one flesh. He should love his wife like Christ loves the church. Give himself for her. He's not into that kind of mentality about Sarah his wife. He's kind of um, seeing her as a sister And a wife not really committed, he doesn't have it in his heart uh, the way God wants to put it in there. God will have to put in Abram's heart the right attitude toward everything. And so that's what we need to remember about ourselves. When you first come into a knowledge of the Lord, you're probably pretty selfish, pretty just like Him. You know, want to preserve your own life. Uh, you know, I don't care what happens to Sarah. Now we're gonna have to play this game, Sarah. You know, I'm your husband. But for while we're down here in Egypt, you know, while we're in the world, let's play this game so we can survive. And so he has a famine mentality about everything. The fact that God has told him he will bless him has not really registered with him yet. So he has a lack mentality. He has a famine mentality. And he has a survivalist mentality. And he wants to survive. What he thinks is going to happen to Sarah, I don't know. But this seems a little cold to me to just let some other man have her so that he can survive but see when famine hits you you don't know what you might do in order to survive if you don't uh, uh, consult God and so really Abraham's going to need some teaching and some explaining done to him before he can really come up in his thinking into the place where God wants him to be to receive all of the things that God has for him so if you can understand that and you can identify with that you'll kind of identify that that there have been times in your life where you things would hit you in such a way that you went over to survival mode and not into inheritance mode the way God wants him to go into because God has already he promised to bless him and to make his name great and all of these wonderful things but Abraham it doesn't quite register with him and so he resorts to his, his own devices uh, for survival he, he resorts to a plan of survival that uh, sacrifices his wife and uh, just looks out for him and, uh, and that's not cool that's not what God has for him so uh, Lot is still with them uh, and so uh, he's, he, he goes down to Egypt and uh, he says verse 13 he says tell them you're my sister it'll be well with me for your sake in other words she's the sacrifice and my soul shall live because of you and so he says I'll live if you go along with this it came to pass that when Abram was come to Egypt the Egyptians beheld the woman she was very fair and the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house now uh, Sarai uh, the, the word Sarai really means queen or regal or um, uh, she has that call on her So she's going to be attractive to people in high places period just because of her name just for her namesake God knows what he's doing when he calls us by name and so she is fitting in to a role that God has planned for her a spiritual role she's fitting in even in the natural You'll see that many times with people who are called, uh, to do great things for God. They'll, their gifts will start to cause them to stand out and excel even in their natural lives, their, their carnal lives. They'll have a, uh, be held in high esteem. They'll achieve great things. Oftentimes that gift will work in the natural. And, and so this is a foretelling of what Sarah's position will be among among uh, uh, people in the earth that she's already in a position the highest position she could be probably would be one of the wives or concubines of the Pharaoh and so she's right in there where she's called to be but it's a carnal thing it, it's not something that God's ordained he says he entreated Abram well for her sake so he, he pays Abram off for her. Gives him sheep and cattle and all of these things he thinks that's her brother so he wants to provide the family with payment and a dowry and all that kind of stuff. This is their tradition but what happens is they're the, the Egyptians are not blessed because of Sarai being there they're plagued and so he says the Lord plagued Pharaoh's and his house with great plagues because of Sarah Abram's wife and Pharaoh called him they knew exactly what the problem was when people who are, are in that mindset can either figure it out or they've been told by God they've been alerted by God because one of the promises that God has with Abram up to this point is he will curse people who curse you and taking another man's wife that's already married to him puts the curse on you and so he says he plagued their house because of Sarah Abram's wife Pharaoh called Abram and said what is this that you have done unto me why did you not tell me that she was your wife why did you say she is my sister so I might have taken her to meet a wife and now therefore behold your wife take her away and go your way in other words get out of here Um, I don't want anything to do with you folks Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him they sent him away and his wife and all that he had so he prospered there you see God keeping his promise to him he says I will bless the those who bless you those. He said I will bless you and make you a blessing. And so he still keeps his word to Abram. He makes him uh, plenteous in goods. And so forth and so on. In verse 13. Uh, chapter 13. Abram went up out of Egypt. He and his wife. All that he had. And Lot went with him. Still with him. Still indecisive. See, He's still living this double life. He's living by his own wits. A carnal life. and But God is with him even still. See God can be with you even though you don't yield to him. You don't pay attention to him. You don't honor him and worship him. He still has a covenant with you. And he's waiting for you to turn to him and really follow him and, and go the way that he wants you to go. And so in uh, chapter 13 we see Lot is still here. Lot has grown rich along with Abram. So it looks like Abram is including Lot as a substitute son, as an heir. Because Lot is prospering just right along with Abram. And so it seems that Abram's life is kind of full. You know, when he first comes to God, he's already got Lot as a substitute son, so that'll be his heir. He's already got a wife, she's barren, has no children, so they pro- probably just decided, well, if we don't have children, we got Lot, we'll let Lot have everything. You know, he's a near kins person, so forth and so on. And so once your mind is locked into a way of life and you've got a plan, For the rest of your life. There's not much room. For God to come in there. And alter your plans. So then God has to come in. And begin to. Little bit by little bit. Open Abram's eyes to greater promise open his eyes to God's vision open his eyes to God's plan and that will really mean our divorcing ourselves from our old ways and our old plans see we can have a vision of things that God has promised I mean who doesn't want a good career who doesn't want a a nice home who doesn't want a a marriage and family everybody wants those things and so but there are two ways to get it you can get it your own way with your own plan or you can divorce yourself from your own plan and go god's way and so divorcing yourself from your own plan is difficult for people sometimes if god doesn't help us see that there's a better way that there's what you're doing is you're exchanging a life that that you could barely manage for a better life where God's totally in control. So you have to trust that God has a better life for you and that you will receive more. It's not that you get less, but you will receive more. Uh, there's more joy, more peace, more everything Is is your life is much more full. Because God is in control there. And so we see that God keeps his promise to Abram. He blesses him. Uh, He takes care of him. He fights with the people who are fighting him. And so uh, we see that that Abram keeps going. He gets out of Egypt. He comes out with with all of his possessions. Greater possessions than when he went in. In 13.2 it says Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold and god made him very rich almost immediately you see in spite of his disobedience god kept his promise to him so you can see disobedience never cancels god's word you got me it really doesn't up until that time lot had followed god and it was time for god to bless him see it was time for him to bless him and so when your blessing is on a schedule it doesn't matter how you got where you are god will bless you anyway you see uh, sometimes god the will that that we are doing uh, is say we're in a kind of a permissive will maybe it was okay for them to go to Egypt but not for him to give Sarah his wife and so God will correct your mistakes and correct what's wrong in your life cause you to repent and turn around and get into the right mindset and keep going with God and, and the blessings follow you anyway he never cancels your blessing unless you're in rebellion you know what I'm saying you just don't want God anymore and you made a conscious decision to reject God that's not what a Abram's doing here. This is a habit that he's had then God wants him to trade that habit in for a higher way of living not just keep the same old way but trade it in for a higher way of living we've all done that you know there have been times where uh, you know you might lie on your taxes or something or squeeze a little bit extra here and there and God didn't cancel your life as a child but he expects you to live honest and you'll see that being an honest person is more prosperous profitable for you than to go around lying and, and squeezing a little extra here and there you know a lack will make you do a lot of crazy things and so but God still expects better from his children there's a higher way there's a better way you have to trust that if you're honest it'll pay more than if you squeeze and tell lies and try to squeeze a little bit extra from uh, Uncle Sam and so we we have to learn how to come up to that level of, of living for God but he will teach us and he will help us and he will cause us to repent, turn around from our wicked ways, and go his way. And that's what he's doing with Abram. Every step of the way, he is teaching him his ways because he loves him. And he, he wouldn't have promised him anything if his disobedience was going to cancel it out. You understand me? He wouldn't have done it. And God sees us as being obedient. Maybe we make mistakes. Maybe we fail, but he will help us to get up and keep going. That's our life. Our life is not a life of doing everything right and never making a mistake. And that's why we get blessed. It's, it's a life of doing our best and when we sin we have an advocate with the Father. You understand that? You have Jesus you can call on and he renews that covenant with you. He washes you, cleanses you from all unrighteousness. You don't have a, a guilt hangover. You don't feel whipped and beaten down. Uh, you just get up and, and you thank God for a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And you keep going on with God. And that's what he expects so uh, Abraham is still on the move he's still going he's still following God the best way he can he's very rich and he went on his journeys uh, into these different places and then he does something in verse 4 chapter 12 that is significant and this is he establishes covenant contact with God he begins to worship God he sets up an altar and he lets this be a place where he will contact God he wants to call on God he wants God's help and so this is a significant uh, move in, in Abram's life and he said he called on the name of the Lord there for the first time, and Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks, herds, and tents. The land was not able to bear them, so they had both prospered so much, and their cattle increased so much that they uh, that they uh, weren't able. The land wasn't big enough for them, and that's understandable because God didn't call the both of them; He called Abram so at some point you got to separate from the source of your indecision you got to separate from the source of your old plan you got to separate lot represents abrams wanting the security of the old life and and trying to believe god at the same time you got me everybody's been there we see what we had in the natural and we say well just let me hold on to that because if I let go of that then what do I have well you've got God and you've got to trust him totally because that's what he wants he doesn't want us clinging to anything in the natural that would would cause us to to not believe see things that we hold on to in the natural rob us of our supernatural faith they will rob us of our supernatural faith if you put your faith and confidence in those things. For instance, if you you say to yourself, "Well, you know, I I, I know God wants to bless me with my own property, but you know, I'm I'm living with you know my cousins or you know my brother or you know uh, in the family house or something like that," it, your, it will sap your faith for something greater if you just kind of. Collapse and rest on what you've always rested on, and so God wants us to totally trust Him and know that He is there for us. And even you might feel nervous about it for a season and not know where God is, but you'll do it to please God because there's a strong possibility that there's something greater out there for us if we will go God's way and not just settle for what's familiar and not just settle for what's comfortable. And so, uh, and God wants us to to cling. To Him, He wants us to cry out to him. He wants us to get in that place of total dependence upon him so that we'll know the greatness of his love for us. And so here they're they're having this thing it says in verse 7 there's strife between the herdsmen. And so Abraham is a wise man at this point. Now he's just started making contact with God through worship. And every time he worships God there is a transformation that takes place in him he becomes more devoted to God he becomes more attentive to God he becomes more open to hear what God has to say that happens to us in worship and so it's the same way for him he wants to hear what God has to say and so he knows that if he continues this strife with lot it won't go well for lot Got me, because he knows what happened to Egypt when the, God wasn't pleased with those people that that in the, with Pharaoh's household, and so he's got smart enough now. He's seen the curse. He wants to see nothing but the blessing. He has nothing against Lot, and he loves Lot, but he knows that there's this is the thing they're going to have to separate because he's now remembering what God told him. He's refreshing himself. And understanding God. And this is what helps us to make godly decisions. If we'll rehearse the things that God has told us. He's going to do for us. And we'll keep uh, in mind the things that God has planned for us. Then we will know for certainty. uh, What what to do. When to move. How to move. And we'll be more given over to the will of God. And we'll be able to make better godly decisions. Because we're in that place where we're remembering. What God told us. And so I believe Abraham's kind of like letting it settle in. You know, Lot's really not supposed to be here. God told me just to take my wife and my possessions and follow him and so that's that thing with lot is is snapping off of him so uh abram pleads with lot he says don't don't let strife be between us amen that's that's a a wise thing you don't want to bicker and argue with people forever in fact you don't want to do that he says isn't the whole land before you he said just take what you want he said i'll i'll let you have first pick in other words here we are casting lots for lot to have his lot amen so they finally get to the point where you have to make a decision about lot and so abram lets lot choose that's what secure people do they don't try to take what they think it's best and leave the leftovers and this is abram's uh his point of trusting god totally He says I trust God so much. I'm going to let the fall of the lot. Let Lot choose his lot. And choose what he wants. And I'll take what's left over. Because I know that's God's will for me. So this is one of the first times you'll see Abram wanting the will of God to come into his life. This is where everything shapes up and straightens up. Because he lets Lot cast the lot And trust God that God is making this decision for them. And so Lot, you know, chose what was nice, pleasant to his eyes. He looked out and he saw the land of Sodom. It looked very, very enticing. And he says, I'll go there. And so Abraham moves on. He moves on to Hebron. In verse 14 it says, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot was separated from him. So here you see God speaking up again. God is coming to Abram with an expansion and details about the covenant that he has with him. He gave him just the basics the first time. And told him I'm going to be with you and I'll be your God. I'll bless you. I'll defend you. I'll protect you. And I'll help you. And that's what Abram grabbed on So then after he separates from Lot. He can hear God better. And he can see God better. Before Lot was a distraction. And Lot was somebody that he included in his future. He felt that he was going to leave everything to Lot I'm sure. And so he included him. Now that Lot's out of the picture. God can let Abraham see more clearly what he has for him. It's amazing how when we get rid of things that are distractions for us. That God can show us more of what he has for us. If we'll let go of of relationships sometimes that, that interfere with with our time or take time away from us or or rob us of of time that we could use uh in god it's amazing how god can grab our attention and show us the bigger picture and show us greater things and so he says look from the place you are northward southward eastward and westward and he says for the land which you see I'll give it to you. So this is the first time he lays his eyes on the physical land. And he sees the great vast uh, inheritance that God has for him. Why? Because now he's totally obeyed God. He's got indecision out of his life. He's got his carnal plan out of his mind. He's got the old life out of the picture. And he's totally trusting God with this new life see lot representing indecision really shows that that he was abram was was not really sold on God, and I think that's something that we need to take to heart that sometimes we're following God but we're not really sold on him you know we're we're doing it with our 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 mouth and our head and our hands and our feet but when when it comes to really separating from the things that aren't beneficial for us we have a hard time separating just like Abram did and 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 God understands that and he has a plan to cause us to make that that separation to sever that tie so that we're not tied to the carnal we're not tied to the familiar we're not tied to the old and the people that are, are, are staying in our life will fall in line in such a way that that they don't interfere with what God is doing for us. You got me. So we can make plans. Be careful the plans that you have made uh, in the lives of other individuals. Be careful to to just include in your future the things and the people that God wants in your future. You understand what I'm saying? And don't be so uh, so eager to want to hold on to relationships. Just let God have them all, and let God determine. How these relationships are going to work out. If they're going to be in your life. How long they're going to be in. The nature of the relationship. Uh, how you pursue a relationship. All of those things. Uh, let God have 100% control of those things. And that will work out better. But we know from the from the get go. That Lot was not included. In what Abram told. What God told Abram to do. So uh, in due season. Lot will have to go. If you're going to go on with God. and. So so after his separation from Lot, Abram begins to go, grow closer to God in that God now gives him a vision. And this vision is what will carry Abram into the supernatural blessing that God has for him. And he tells him to look up and he says, he says uh, look at all this land. For all the land that you see, I'll give to you. Everything you see and so what happens is Abram takes a snapshot in his mind of that piece of land and every time he would sit and reflect on what God told him he saw what was his. See he saw what was his and that's the way God expects us to live when we get a picture of what God has promised us in his word even though you may walk uh, years down the road he will cause you to reflect back on now what did I tell you I was going to do from the beginning this is a powerful tool for keeping your faith strong. It's very powerful because it caused Abraham to hope against hope. It caused him to uh, have strong faith, giving glory to God. It caused him uh, to consider not his own body, just that picture, that snapshot in his mind is what he reflected on over and over and over again to reassure him of God's covenant with him sometimes we'll say I don't know did I hear God right did I it's been so long since God told me I just don't even remember anymore but God will refresh that to you he will confirm and confirm and confirm again that's why when I was I was ministering I think was was thirsty when I was ministering and I talked about the confirmed word and God confirming it and confirming it over and over and over again. Every time God speaks His word to you again, that's not the prophet just giving you some leftover something. That's a necessary tool for us to continue to believe God because you know and I know. You can go go for three days and you act totally like a heathen, almost like you don't have a daddy. You're so worried, you're crazy, you're nervous, you're all of the above because you're not sure. If God is going to do what he says he's going to do so you need to have that that continual confirmation if you're too lazy to rehearse the word of God yourself then God will speak it to you and hope you get the hint you need to be rehearsing this in your thinking over and over and over again. So Abraham then gets a glimpse in the natural of the land that he said in, in verse 16, he says, uh, uh, verse 15, "I'll give it to you and your seed forever." So here's the children are getting the promise. Amen so he's expanding it so that he knows this is a covenant everlasting covenant between him and his seed verse 16 we're in chapter 13 16 I'll make your seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth then shall your seed be numbered so here he's looking up at the stars and sees all his kids he's looking out ahead he sees all the land he's looking down on the ground for the dust of the earth and he sees his descendants so everywhere Abraham Abraham went, If he went outside and looked up, he saw all that land, that's mine. He saw the stars, oh those are my children. He saw the dust, oh those are my descendants. And he was constantly reminded by God of what the promise was for him. And so he says, and he told him in verse seventeen, "Arise, walk through the land, the length of it, the breadth of it, for I will give it to you. Just keep walking, Abram. Keep walking everywhere you walk; that's yours." Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar to the Lord. So here, and then in the next, uh, the next chapter, we see Abraham's true relationship to lot come forth so god doesn't want anybody abandoned and totally cut off So he has a relationship now that Abram and Lot will form that will be the God relationship. The the one relationship that God wanted them to have. God knows you love your relatives. He knows you love your family. He knows you love your siblings, your parents, everybody. And so you see God here start to adjust the relationship that he has between Abram and Lot. In other words, Abram, Lot is not your son. He will not be your air I'm giving you them kids there and those kids there and that land way out there all of that's yours that's what I promised you you let go of Lot and I've shown you now that you're able to see Lot's not in the picture you're able to see really what I have for you so I'm showing you what I have for you and so uh but I do have I do know you love lot and I'll let him stay in your heart but in the right place. You see what I'm saying? So it's not you're not out of place with people. You're in the right place with them. But you can't you can't form your own relationship with people. They have to fit in the way God says to let them fit in. You you got me? Just just let people fit in the way God says to let them fit in and and know that that's adequate and that's sufficient. So uh, when Abraham uh God expands a blessing, he outlines the land he will inherit. Uh he it, and I think the more closer we get to God, the more we see like God sees. And the more we feel like God feels, the more we uh, perceive things the way God perceives them. And so Abram is now beginning to take on more of the character of God, more of the attributes of God, more of God's vision, God's understanding, God's mindset, all of that stuff. He is being transformed as he gets closer to God, gets more of his plans out of his mind, not of his life, etc., etc. So in in chapter 14, we see uh, a a um, situation where uh, Lot has gotten himself in a little bit of trouble uh, and and uh, he's been captured by some kings who are waging war against Sodom uh, so the land that Lot chose was not the best and so he needs to have a rescue and he needs to have uh, um, uh, some help so that he can live. Now Abram I'm sure knew this about Lot. You know you live with you got a nephew running around there little snotty nose nephew running around you know he needs help abram fights for him in the natural but then god later brings abram into a different place in lot's life and that is of an intercessor and so when uh, God decides that he's going to uh, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he elevates Abram uh, to a place of being able to intercede for Lot instead of having to go fight physically and risk his physical security uh, for him. So God will always bring you into a higher place. So uh, uh, we see in, in chapter 14 this war that uh, Abram waged against these uh, kings and he won that war and he began to make offerings to God uh, based on the spoils of that war in verse 14 it says 14 verse 14 when Abram heard that uh, his brother was taken captive. He armed his trained servants. Born in his own house. And he had an army living in his house with him. And they pursued them. He divided himself against them. He and his servants by night. Smote them and pursued them. And and, uh, and fought them all the way back. And so he was able to bring Lot out. With all of his goods. The women also and all of his people. So you see God blesses those who bless him. When he and Lot stop fighting so much much. God was able to show mercy to Lot and bless him because he was Abraham's kin and he knows Abraham loved him. Abraham then begins to make an offering to God of all the spoils of that war and after that in chapter 15 you see God speaking to Abram again. He comes to him again to reiterate the words of his covenant. 15 verse 1 these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision says fear not I'm your shield your exceeding great reward in other words I'm the one who caused you to fight that battle and win Abram said uh, what will you give me seeing I, I go childless in my soul so here we go Abram's now in the mindset of he's divorced Lot Lot's gone out of his thinking because he's never asked this question before. When he separates from Lot, it becomes obvious to Abraham I don't have any children. I don't have anybody to leave. And, and so instead of him taking that and feeling uh, despondent, uh, rejected, and run and go get Lot back again, he asked God, What are you going to do for me? And so God's already told him. What did God tell him over in the beginning of chapter 14 or 13? He told him to look up and see these are your children. Abram asked him again. What are you going to give me? See this is our anxiety talking. Didn't we all get like that? God what are you going to do for me? You told me you were going to do this but I don't see it yet. So what are you going to do for me? And so uh Abram does what we all do. We threaten to bring in a substitute that's really not of God's liking. He says this, this Syrian is going to uh, be able to inherit everything. Abraham said, verse 3, Abram said, Behold, to me you have given no seed, and one born in my house is my heir. I'm going to have to leave everything to him, and he's a stranger. He's not even close to me as Lot was that you made me get rid of. You got me? God, I'm giving up too much. When am I going to get what I've sacrificed? We've given all to follow you like Peter told Jesus. That's a common thread and a common theme for people who are being blessed by God. We don't think we're being blessed because we don't have what's familiar and comfortable to us. See when we have to get rid of the familiar and the comfortable then we think you know it's just the worst thing in the world but getting rid of the familiar and the comfortable opens you up to really being God's child and really being in line for a blessing and really having to trust God. So Abram's got to trust God and he senses that. He says man Lot's gone and he's over there living by himself and I know I can't get him back because I know God told me to get rid of him. So what am I going to do? So he complains to God, verse four. Behold, the word of the Lord came, and you shall not; he shall not be your heir. You see, God comforting him, reassuring him, confirming. But one that comes out of your own bowels will be your heir and he brought him forth abroad and said look now toward heaven and tell the stars here we go again reconfirming 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 God will always reconfirm if he doesn't tell you again he will cause your mind to go there you ever been in a conversation like that you ask that stupid question when is it going to happen did you really tell me and then you remember Holy Spirit brings to your remembrance what He told you about that very thing, because you've drifted off into your carnal mind again, complaining mode. And He says you won't be able to number them. There's going to be so many of them, Abraham. Don't you worry about a thing. He said I got this covered. There you go. I have so many descendants you won't be able to count them. And so He says, and and He believed in the Lord. And he counted it him as righteousness. This is the first instance of that. Amen. All these other times it says Abraham followed God. But this time he's believing him and following him. You know why? Because there's been room made in his heart for faith in God. Instead of faith in Lot. And faith in his past. And faith in his plans. You remove that stuff from your life. And greater faith in God has to come. Because there's room made for you to believe God now. And so he said to him. I'm the Lord that brought you. I'm the same God. Remember I promised you this way back then. He said I'm the same God. And he says Lord whereby shall Shall I know I will inherit it? And then God sets up the blood sacrifice. The blood covenant for Abram. And this is what Abram was looking for. It was common in, in, in that culture. For when a man said how shall I know and he was making covenant with another individual they would cut a blood covenant you know the steps we've gone through this hundreds of times they would would uh, list the terms of the covenant they would uh, cut wrists, commingle the blood make a, 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 a rub ashes into the scar so that there would be a visible scar that they would show to one another as a remembrance of the covenant they would set up a memorial for the covenant sometimes stones or something like that Our covenant memorial is communion, the Last Supper. That was the memorial. He said, do this in remembrance of me, what I've done for you. And so that memorial is renewed whenever we need to remember and keep in mind that God has taken our weakness, given our strength, promised us heirs promised us prosperity promised us Amos 9.13 promised us restoration like we did at the, at the conference we had communion over the Lord's promise to do a work in us to restore us and we said yes to that work so we exchanged our weakness for his strength in that covenant memorial the other thing is you exchange weapons you fight for one another you help one another your heirs are involved in this the whole, whole thing and so that's what Abraham looking for and once you got that oath of confirmation that ended all your doubt all your strife all your confusion all your everything unless you misunderstood and got confused yourself and you see that's what Abraham did he's like we all do we misunderstand we get a little confused but God did cut the covenant with Abraham In verse 18 chapter 15 and the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying unto your seed i've given this land from the river egypt to the great river euphrates and all those uh, people that are on the land will be their servants and all of that land you will possess verse 16 uh, chapter 16 you see abram misunderstanding god's instruction. God always meant for Sarah to have the children but Sarah gets anxious about it you know and and um doesn't understand her role in the covenant either she thinks to supply him with children by the maid which was common during those days oftentimes uh, it was so important for people to have children to help with the life was hard and you needed a bunch of kids to help with the farming and so forth and children were seen as a blessing Because they were, they were God's inheritance, but also there was a practical reason for having a large number of children. That many of them died in childbirth. They didn't survive. And so if a woman's womb was open. They had many children. And if they had servants. They had children of those servants too. So that they would eventually get like Abraham. Build a large army out of one family. Because life was hard. You had a lot of enemies. And so that was that culture during that time. It was a survivalist kind of culture. And so uh, we see... Um, Uh, Hagar uh, um, Sarah's maid being given to Abram and she bears a child they call him Ishmael. And so, the trouble breaks out in the house, and strife breaks out, and that's not good. And so, uh, the Hagar is kicked out, uh, and, and so forth, and so on. Uh, his name uh, Hagar bear Ishmael, and Abram was eighty-six years old when Ishmael was born. Now, then, God brings. Abram's whole household into covenant with him through circumcision. So prior to this God had cut a covenant with Abram. But Abram hadn't cut one with him. Got me? God initiated a covenant with Abram. But there's no token that Abram is giving God to accept the covenant. So that's the next step. So he has to accept the covenant with God he's asked him he's already uh settled the issue of of telling abraham how many children he's going to have and this will never cease he makes an oath and a promise in blood abram's put to sleep so he it is not a man to man covenant it is a god to man covenant man so because abram that has has no understanding of what's being said he has no uh Uh, recollection of what's been said he just knows that God put him to sleep and gives him an assurance when he wakes up he has an assurance uh, that God is taking care of him Ishmael is born uh, um, and and, um, I think it's after 10 years of Abram being in the promised land so we're in chapter 16 and we see Ishmael uh, being born Uh, let's see yeah, know, uh, she and Sarah quit getting along as she tried to flee. And, and so uh, the angel meets her there, gives her a promise about Ishmael. And then she goes back uh, to Sarah's house. And uh, let me see. Was she banished out of the house here? I think. Yeah. Uh, Sarah. She went back. Okay, all right. So in chapter seventeen, we're finally there. Abram's ninety-nine years old. He was eighty-two when Ishmael is born. Abram said to uh, God, "said to him, He says, I'm the Almighty God. Walk before me." It says here, "Be thou perfect," but one of the translations says, "Be trustworthy." Be trustworthy. In other words, be steadfast, and be trustworthy. In other words, be careful now how you walk before me. I want you to walk even more closely with me than you have in the past. The closer you get to the, I guess, the, the fruition of your promise. You know, as we walk with God, we're doing things in God. But there's one ultimate, <coughs> ultimate thing that He's promised us. We have to get a lot of the childish ways out of us. Put away childish things. We have to quit. About having to wait for something. And you know that kind of stuff. We we have to put that away. When God says walk before me. Be thou perfect. It means mature. It means trustworthy. Be somebody that I can trust your words. I know that when I call you to do something. You respond appropriately to it. All of that. Uh, God wants Abram to start doing now. He's it's, it's not like he's a bad person. But it's time now to grow, grow closer to the Lord than ever. Before. And so uh, he's 99 years old. He says, I'll make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying as, as for me behold my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. So he's expanding the promise. He tells him his children will be great in number but now it's nations that are going to come. In other words you're going to have so many children they're going to go out into Everywhere on the earth. So it will be not just this physical land. That will always be your possession. But your descendants will grow to the place. That they will fill countries and nations of. And so it will be even greater and greater. He says your name won't be Abram anymore. Father of uh, exalted father. But Abraham father of many nations. Or father of a multitude. And I will make you exceeding fruitful. Make nations of you. Kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant between you and your seed. For the near generations. For an everlasting covenant. To be a God to you and your seed after you. I will give you and your seed after you. The land where you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan. For an everlasting possession. I will be their God. God said to Abram. Uh, You shall keep my covenant therefore. In other words this will be something that you will do continually to refresh yourself in the fact that you belong to me. There is something that we all do continually to refresh ourselves in the fact that we belong to God. I don't care who you are. That's your covenant with him. I don't care if it's waking up in the morning worshiping him. I don't care if it's reading your word every day. I don't care if it's where you make contact with God. wherever, However you make contact with God. That's your covenant with him. You've got to have something established where you meet with God on a regular basis. And so Abram, he chooses for Abram circumcision as a sign that he and his seed belong to God. And so he tells Abram to circumcise. His children on uh, a certain day and, and at a certain year in their lives. He says you shall keep. He said this is my covenant in verse 10. Which you shall keep with me and you'll see every man child shall be circumcised. You'll circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. It'll be a token of the covenant between me and you. So we have to have a token of God's covenant with us. There's something we give to God that lets him know that we belong to him. It's worship, it's praise, it's attention, it's giving, it's praying, it's going before God, it's establishing relationship with him to intercede for other people. All of that. And he says it in he that is 8 days old and older shall be circumcised every man every child in your generations. It's born in your house or bought with money or stranger which is not your seed. He that is born in your house. Must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And so this was the first circ- circumcision of uh, human beings to be in covenant with God. And this is what set the Israelite apart from everybody else. God had that that scar that circumcision scar remember we talked about when you were in covenant if you were a man-to-man covenant you made a scar on your wrist and commingled your blood well here God has a a um, circumcision scar or a cutting away of flesh there and that is their personal covenant with God so nobody knows they're in covenant with God because he's your personal God He's the God that's in your heart. He's the God that's in you privately. It's a private thing between you and God. And so when when you have a man to man covenant it's a public thing because you have a scar that shows. When you belong to God it's an internal circumcision. It's a circumcision of your heart for the believers now. And so our circumcision in the heart is uh, that, that circumcision in the foreskin of the flesh was a precursor to what we have now. And God is our private God. You don't go around with a big sign saying I belong to God. He's your personal God. He dwells in you. He lives in your heart. Just as the Israelite didn't show everybody his scar that he belonged to God he knew personally that God was his God. And so this is what, what we we do when we know the Lord. We have this internal circumcision where he has softened our hearts. Where people will look at you and say I knew there was something different about you. I knew you. If they're a Christian they'll say I knew you were one of us. Why? Because there are signs and evidence of an inward change in us that comes out when God wants to reveal it. Not when we. You can say I'm a Christian all you want to. But if you never have God reveal that to people they won't know. But he will reveal it to you to them if you live a life of obedience to him there's no way they won't recognize that you're a Christian and so this is the precursor of the uh, inward circumcision of the heart where God uh, uh, takes our stony heart our heart of flesh and replaces it uh, our heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh and so it says uh, God said to Abram verse 15 As for Sarai thy wife her name will not be Sarah. I've got a name changed for her, too. This was probably a real shocker because Abraham was accustomed to not thinking much about her, as was the custom of all the nations around him. So now everybody in the house gets elevated into their right position with God. And it's been like 20 years this man has been following God before the the culmination of what God promised him way back then is about to come to pass. So we should not be disturbed or discouraged with the passing of time. Look how much. God has blessed this man. I mean the 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 real part of the the promise is coming to pass. Now the thing that we think is so important, we think it that way because it takes so long to get it. Everything that takes long we think is the biggest thing that could ever happen to us but look at all the big things that have happened to him he's made him a mighty warrior he's made him a man that's feared in the earth he's made him a man that has subdued kings he's made him very rich he's had him be able to bless relatives and bless servants in his house all of the things that he's done for Abraham this is more like the icing on the cake he's already got a rich life if God never did anything more for this man he's already Already been triple blessed by God God's fulfilled everything he told him he was going to do for him and then some and so he says I've got a blessing for Sarah he says verse 16 I'll bless her give her a son give you a son of her yes I will bless her she will be a mother of nations that woman that you forgot and you traded off just like your neighbors around you treat their women. I'm elevating her. So God elevates everybody that's permanently placed in your life. He must do it because he's God. He's not there to just bless you because you're the one who's quote unquote saved. He's there to bless the whole household. And he says I will bless her. Give you a son also of her and make her a mother of nations kings of people will be come from her abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart shall a child be born to him that's a hundred years old and sarah who's 90 and abram said to god listen it'd be easier for me god if you just let ishmael live uh, this is a toughy god i just really can't wrap my brain around this you know i just but when god promises god delivers When God promises he will give you the faith that you need to fulfill it. And he's already developing that faith in Abram because every time he looks up. He sees how many children he has he's going to have and every time he looks down he sees how many children he's going to have. So God will make it easy for you if it's hard for you to wrap your brain around what God's giving you and, and believe God for stuff. Then ask God to make it easy for you to do it. God you did it for Abraham do it for me. Give me a sign give me a vision give me something. That I can feast my eyes on, focus my thinking on. Oftentimes it'll just be go back to the Word and and go back where you first met Him. That's what Abraham did. He'd sit there at night and look at the stars and reflect on what God told him. So God will make it easy for you just about. He says, He says, uh, uh, There's two immutable things that he does and makes it impossible for him to lie. He can't lie. God, did I hear you right? I don't know. What did you hear me say? Well, I heard you say blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you heard that right. I said that. And I'm going to say it again. I'm saying it again. I have that for you. Don't give up. I have that for you. And so he says, I'll bless her and he, Abram laughed and, and he says oh that Ishmael might live before you. God can you take a counterfeit? God will you bless my mess? God will you take what I've done in disobedience and clean it up? That's really what we're asking and God won't do it. God will you take what, what seems to come cheap and easy? Why do I have to pray for this? Why do I have to wait for this? Why do I have to? Huh? And so we we just have to understand that God knows what he's doing. He wants us to total trust him and he will be the richer for having trusted him. Even though it may not look like it. God said Sarah your wife shall bear you a son indeed and you shall call his name Isaac. Once the name's stuck in there, that's kind of hard to get out. This kid's got an identity now. Where is Isaac? Isaac? Huh? And they laugh. And he says, I will establish. He says, since you laughed, I'll call him laughter. I'll establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So I've already got you with a son, gave him a name, and gave him kids too. So he says, and as for Ishmael, I heard you. Huh? He says I'm not a mean God. He said I heard your prayer about him. Behold I've blessed him. Will make him fruitful. Multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes he'll be at. Just like Isaac will. Amen. And I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac. Amen. He says I'll bless him. But I'll establish my covenant with this one. There's a difference between being blessed and having a covenant with God. You got me? You can bless a lot of people. You can pray for them. You can help them. You can do a lot of things but and they can have a covenant with God if they'll get born again, but having a covenant is far different from just getting the blessing is the overflow of what's in your life that's what that's what Ishmael's going to live off of, and we all know the descendants of Ishmael still having trouble <laughs> in this life amen, but they are a very wealthy people and a force to be reckoned with in the earth he said my covenant i will establish with isaac which sarah shall bear unto you at this set time the next year when god puts a date on it if it's god you can take it to the bank you got me he put a date on it he left off talking with him and God went up from Abram. Abram took Ishmael his son and all that were born in his house and, all, and, and circumcised them on that day. And that sealed it. Abram's obedience to circumcise everybody meant God I'm accepting what you just told me. I'm accepting that, that uh, I'm going to get another son Isaac who will be in covenant and he will be the heir. Even though I'm circumcising Ishmael he's not the one. Amen. Isaac is the one that you have chosen. And so I have to choose Isaac as well. And so they were circumcised. Consecrated. Same day Abram was circumcised. And Ishmael and all the men of the house were circumcised. And they were brought into covenant with, with God. And so as, as Abram is, is putting himself in the place of being trustworthy. This is a trustworthy position for Abram. He says I've done my part to accept God's covenant. Then then a different level of faith begins to settle in on him. Now that he's accepted God's terms of the covenant. And he's being obedient to God in the circumcision. And so in, in chapter 18 we see that and god is is now working with him to bring greater promise and he's promising to uh open sarah's womb here we see uh, uh the lord appears to him again and he lifts up his eyes and and uh he begs god to not pass him by so that he can get another blessing from him and so uh uh, verse 10 it says he said I will certainly return unto you according to the time of life and lo Sarah your wife shall have a son and Sarah heard in the tent door which was behind him Abram and Sarah were old well stricken and had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women so there's nothing in the natural that will indicate to her that she can have children. Amen but God promises anyway so Sarah laughed because there was no natural evidence that she would have a child and this is exactly where God wanted them to be. With no natural evidence, no natural reason to believe, no natural anything, lots gone. Eleazar he knows is is not a contender. Uh, he circumcised everybody in the house. He knows Ishmael's out of the picture, so they got nobody left but God and that's where God's been trying to get them all of this time they knew that with the uh, with Hagar that was a mistake they're not going to try that they're out of options To work this thing themselves. And that's where God does his best work. When we're out of options to get anything in the natural. When you're out of options with the doctors. If you're out of options with the finance people. When you're out of options with the the credit cards and the loan people. When you're totally out of options. That's when faith will rise up. Supernatural faith will rise up. Uncontended uncontested God wants uncontested supernatural faith to work in us so that we can get exactly what he promised on time on schedule just like he said we were going to do it he wants to do all of those things. When he tells Abraham to walk before him and be trustworthy then Abraham starts to do things more supernaturally. You see instead of him going to fight physically in Sodom for Lot he intercedes for him he's God's man in the earth now he does his dealings between him and God God said I'll fight those who fight you and I'll I'll intercede I'll show you things I'll reveal things to you he revealed to him his plan for Sodom and and, uh, Abram begs for for him to spare that city for a few righteous people but God pulls the righteous out of the destruction and he spares Lot again Sarah does have a, a son at the appointed time even though there's no reason in the natural for her to, to ever think that she could bear a son God does it anyway why because he said he'd do it he does everything because he says he'll do it once he promises us something if we will firmly believe and so and we see in the book of Romans chapter 4 it says Abraham hoped against hope that he might be the father of many nations he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness he put his a uh, wavering faith over into God. And he came back into his life as righteousness. Nothing stopping the promise from happening. So we can do the same thing. If we get rid of all of our lots and our indecision and our vacillating and trusting the natural. And then trusting God a little bit and going back and forth and not sure about God. If you're insecure and unsure about something, talk to God about it. He'll get you convinced just like he, he did Abram. The Bible says he was fully persuaded. Abraham was not weak in faith. But he was fully persuaded that what God had promised he's make sure you get your promise directly from God's mouth. Make sure you know for a certainty that God has, has told you that thing. And if you'll do that and just trust him to bring it to pass when he brings it to pass he'll surely do it for you. Amen. Alright why don't we stop. Father in heaven we thank you for giving Giving us understanding of your ways and how we can, can avoid the pitfalls of indecision to avoid the pitfalls of leaning on the natural and not trusting totally the supernatural Father we thank you that you have uh, plans in motion to perfect our lives to help our lives to bless our lives to strengthen us in every way that you have these plans in motion for us and we can trust you we thank you we bless you we praise you In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up for prayer. Praise God.